to this, the third and final round. We've seen an epic battle so far, and our two competitors are giving it everything they've got. The score is now even. This round will decide the fate of us all. Family versus church, the final round. does a great job, doesn't he? I think he has a lot more energy, and I think he's uh, he's ready to actually see a knockdown drag out. He, uh, he, likes, he likes a big fight. Now, the last few weeks, we've been talking about the church and the family, and we've been talking through how, what do we do when the church and the family collide instead of collaborate? How do we handle this? What do we do? Over the last um, few years, I've um, come in contact with people in which they pastors, ministers, deacons, it, it, church people who are just very highly involved in church, who have really made the, the assessment that I'll take care of the church and I'll do put all my energy towards the church and I'll just let God take care of my family. Now, there's a problem. And then I've also heard other people, whether they're ministers or whether they're, they're people who just attend church, who will say, you know what, we really don't need to, to focus on the spiritual because you know, the church, we don't really need the church. We can do this at home. We can do it at our lake house. So we really, the church isn't that important for our family and their spiritual lives. The problem is, is that both end up missing what God has designed, the church and the family. Both end up having problems. That's right. So in the first session that we had, we discussed the importance of both and how God has ordained both the church and the family and that they are um, of equal importance to him. But uh, and then on our second last week, we got to discuss the hopefully some practical ways that you can play these things out at home. Um, when you're walking by the way, when you're sitting at home, when you're um, going to bed and when you're rising up. And if you weren't able to hear that session or you think that would be helpful, we'll have that out on the podcast. And also on the journey in the magazine that we have in the back, there's a little graph that'll kind of go over the teaching time and coaching time and companion time, all those things that we discussed. And today, hopefully we'll be able to uh, discover what the importance of the church is and how the church plays an incredibly vital role in that um, if we miss one or the other or if we're imbalanced, then we're missing that heartbeat of God and what he desires and how he desires both of them to work together. Deuteronomy 6. If you have your Bibles, this is where we started. Deuteronomy 6, this is where we started talking about the family. And I'm going to play this out just a little bit further as we talk about the church and how we need to be tied to the greater community of believers. Deuteronomy 6, I would ask that you, you turn over there with me. In Deuteronomy 6, here's what we have. This is called the Shema. This is what Moses has given to the people of of Israel. He says, this is what you're supposed to be teaching. And last week we did, um, we spent a long time just kind of walking through the practical aspects of how you as parents and how you as grandparents should be talking through with your kids. And this is something that we're striving for. We're not perfect at it, but it's something that we're working towards trying to engage our kids at all levels. And today, as we go from chapter six, and we're going to go into chapter seven in just a moment, you're going to see the importance of tying our families to the greater Christian community and not just being isolated as one lone family. Deuteronomy 6, if you have your Bibles, would you please stand for the reading of God's word? I'm going to go all the way down to verse 4, and I would like to read the Shema one more time. Here's what it says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. 
And these words that I command you today shall be on your hearts. You shall teach them diligently to your children, shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, I am so thankful for the opportunity to be able to be here today. I'm thankful for the worship that we've been able to enjoy. I'm thankful for the kids and how that they they truly just brighten the mood. And God, how that they're able to worship you even at their young age. You are a God worthy of our worship. And today I pray that as we look into your word, that God, your spirit would have freedom to move in and out. Give us the, the hearts to hear, the ears to be ready to listen to what you would have. And I pray that as we walk out of this place, God, you would give us the courage to apply to our lives what we've heard. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you. you may be seated. We like to, to think through our families as we're going to be the only ones that influence our families. The reality is, is that there will be outside forces outside of your family that will influence your family. Rewind, catch this. There are outside forces outside of your family. They will influence your family. Turn over to chapter seven. Moses has done such a great job of laying out for us and and walking us through. Okay, families, this is how you are supposed to be teaching. This is what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to teach the Bible as you wake up, as you go to sleep, as you eat, as you drive, as you go along throughout the day. This is your job. And we talked about how last week, the reason why you do spiritual things, the reason why you do this is not just because it's tradition, but you want your kids to rise up and ask questions. Dad, why are you doing this? And you get to tell them, here's what God has done in my life and here's what God has done through my life. And you get to share with them. I don't do it just because my parents went to church. I come, I serve God, I worship because of what God has done in my life. And that's what you're wanting. And that's what I want for my kids. I want them to ask, why are you doing this, dad? And it's not just because I was told to do this by somebody else or I felt pressure by somebody else. It's because God has so worked in my life. Now, Moses has laid this out and here's the change. Look what happens in chapter seven. You ready? Chapter seven, here's what the Lord says. When the Lord, your God brings you into the land, that you are entering to take possession of it and clears away many nations before you, the Hittites, the Gigashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, seven nations, which are more numerous and mightier than yourselves. When the Lord your God gives them over to you and defeats them, then you must devote them to complete destruction. You shall make no covenant with them. You shall have no mercy towards them. You shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons. For they would turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. This is not a racial statement. This is not Israel versus the other nations. These other nations, what God or what Moses is doing right at this point is saying, Pay attention, because when you go into the land, yes, you have set up very strong, you've you've narrowed the circle of influence, and you've narrowed it down to where your family is actually pursuing God, and you're loving God, and you're teaching your kids, you're doing a great job. But here's what's going to happen. When you go into this new land, there are going to be people that do not believe like you. 
They're going to be people who worship other gods. And when you go into this land, pay attention because this is going to be big. Their outside influences will be so strong that they will actually be able to turn your hearts and your kids' hearts away from God. This speaks right to where we're at, doesn't it? Because here we're kind of isolated and insulated. We have our own little pocket, our own little Christian community. But as soon as Sunday morning is over, where are your kids going to end up? Where are your grandkids going to go? They go back to the neighborhoods. They go back into the schools. You go back into your place of employment. Few of us are privileged to be able to work in a Christian environment. And you're going to be going out and you're sending your kids out. And pay attention, outside forces will be able to influence your family. You know this is true even of you. When you spend time with a friend who maybe is not uh, necessarily a Christian, and you start having a bad attitude just like that, maybe they are a Christian and you still have a bad attitude. Maybe you have that, that friend that all of a sudden you're just, it's just easier to gossip. There's this force. So here's where I would, I would ask, how are you and how are we narrowing the circle of influence, of negative influence in our family's lives? That's the first thing you're going to have to look at. If outside enforce, uh, forces will influence our family, how do we narrow that circle of influence, of negative influence? Well, can you actually talk to your kids about the friends they hang out with? Should you? Absolutely. Should you talk to your, your grandkids about this? Absolutely. One of my favorite verses that I come back to over and over again, we found this in youth ministry and we worked with this over and over again, was Proverbs 13 and verse 20. Here's what it says. It says, he that walks with wise men shall be what? He that walks with wise men shall be wise. And you talk to your kids, you talk to teenagers, even small kids, elementary kids. You want to be wise? All you have to do is hang out with wise people. And you will start making better choices. And then here's the next part of the verse. But a companion, a friend of fools, says, will be destroyed. It doesn't say might be. It says will be. And over and over again, one of the things that we've watched through youth ministry is this. Teenagers begin to ask questions and they begin to talk to other people outside their families. And as they do, they need to learn the principle. You hang out with fools, there's a great chance that the line will end with destruction for your life. So we have to start teaching it. And the question becomes, how do you as parents and how do we as parents, how do we as grandparents, how do we begin to narrow the focus, narrow the forces of negative influences in our kid's life? Now watch what he does. Verse six, it says, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possessions out of all the people's who are on the face of the earth. Now watch. Outside forces will influence your family. So the first few verses, he says, narrow the circle of influence, of negative influence. Now it's broadened out and it's now widened the circle of godly influences. Tie your kids into the people of God who God has chosen, the people of God in which God says, I want you to understand it's not just one family. It's a multiple of families. It's a group. It's you going in. God has called you out and God has moved. You move into the New Testament. Who are we? The church is an ecclesia. 
a called out assembly of believers. That's who we are. A called out group of which God has placed upon us his blessings in which we get to talk to God. We get to pray to God. And guess what he does? He hears our prayers. And here's the call. Now you begin to widen the circle of influence, of godly influence for your family. And it's you and I have to do this intentionally. Let me ask, let me ask you, who has made a positive influence on you as a child? As a child. Raise your hands. It's a question. It's not rhetorical. Miss Connie. Your grandmother. Excellent. Someone else had their hand up. Yes. A teacher. Excellent. Who else? Coach, anybody coach? Miss Brenda. Parents, excellent. You know, what if we were strategic in pursuing these positive influences for our children and grandchildren? Instead of just kind of hoping that they had that excellent teacher or that coach that went above and beyond or fill in the blank. You know, we've got plenty of kiddos that don't have that godly influence as far as grandmothers or parents. So what if we were strategic in our pursuit of those positive influences for our children. And that is how we have set up our children's ministry in our, in our church. That is, what we, that is what we are challenged to do. Where do you find mentors or even heroes? How do you find that within the church? You know, we have an amazing, amazing staff of teachers over in our um, children's area from birth all the way up through um, senior high. And I'm, and I'm just basically representing them. I know that we have them throughout our adult ministry as well, and those are also imperative. But I know our small group teachers um, with our kiddos, and I know how much they study for their lessons. I know how much they want to be involved in the children's lives. I know that they show up with you know, candy bars for memorizing the books of the Bible or amazing hands-on engaging activities so that they can learn and and speak into their students' life about the truths of the Bible. And these become positive influences for our children that we strategically place. But if we don't engage them as often as possible, then when those crisis moments come, and you know they're going to come, And I know, I mean, we have seen it, we've done it, we've been a part of it. Parents and grandparents, they're not always going to come to us. There will be a time that they want, even the most respected, respectful children, um, they may come to us and say, you know what, I I love you, but you're my parents. And of Mm. course you're going to say that. So I need someone else to talk to about this. And that is when we engage those that we have surrounded um, with our children in the small groups, in activities at church. Maybe it's a coach. You know, we have upward sports going on. Maybe there's just a coach that's really um, spoken to their lives. And we can center them into the church, and we know and can depend on the same value system for those children and grandchildren. Some of my greatest heroes were people that were introduced to me by my parents. It was some of their friends. It was some of their grandparents. It was my grandparents, and then it was some of those extra people that my grandparents knew that they allowed to be in my life, whether we were mowing a yard or whether we were doing other things. And here's the problem. What we have had in America is we've had the breakdown of families. Families have become so mobile and they're living halfway across the country and they're not interacting anymore. 
And so we're not having the generations interact. So here's the question. How does the larger community, how does the larger Christian community, how do we tie our kids back into that? Where do they find the heroes? It's great to have, you know, maybe, you know, Emmett Smith as a hero or Troy Aikman or Kobe Bryant. You, that's great. But those are, those are sports that are so far out there. They're not going to be able to really impact their lives. So how do we, as parents, how do we begin to widen the circle of influence? And this is tying them back into the godly Christian community. Right, and we definitely want to pursue those relationships before they need them. We need to be strategic in that. If we can build those relationships and they understand, if children and grandchildren understand that they're unconditional before they hit those crisis moments, then whenever they, they need that help, when they're desperate for that, that trust is already built. And they're already be able to trust and, and depend on that honesty from the mentors and heroes of the faith that we have strategically organized within the church. And we, you know, we have a a set of goals every Sunday that we meet and and other times too, we meet also on Wednesdays, but um, in the preschool area, there's three things. God made me, God loves me, and he has a very special plan for my life. And when we hit, see those preschool teachers every week, they're covering things like this, including biblical verses, but they're playing that out. In our elementary years, I, ta- I touched on it last week. Um, trust God no matter what. Do what's right, even when it's hard, which is make the right choice, and treat others like you want to be treated. Every single week, strategically, they are taught this through um, stories of biblical people from the Bible. Not only are they taught the history of the Bible, but then how that applies to their everyday life at school and how having courage and how David had courage and how that applies to them to have courage and do what's right in their lunchroom or when bullies come around. It's very practical. And um, so we set that up in elementary and then in our, it goes on, we've got the way we've set up our curriculum. It continues. It's, it's the same. It's woven together. And there are three things that they um, discussers, I create, I create, I am created to pursue an authentic relationship with my creator. I belong to Jesus and define who I am by what he says I am. I exist every day to demonstrate God's love to a broken world. And obviously these are deeper abstract thoughts. And that's what we hit when we hit those junior high, senior high years, they need that played out in their lives. And of course we have an amazing student pastor and his wife that just go above and beyond wanting to love on our teenagers and, um, and have that uh, mentor hero relationship with them. And then we have amazing workers from college students up to grandparents that invest in their lives. And we want to utilize that. It's a resource that God has, we take the challenge because God has designed the church for that. And that's how we want to play it out. So if we're, we're trying to take each of our grades, 18 and down, and we're really trying to get strategic as a church to say, we want to do what the Bible says, get older men teaching younger men, you know, older ladies teaching younger ladies. And we're really trying to incorporate and trying to move, and we're getting very strategic on what we're teaching and showing the kids, here's what we're doing. So now let's figure out how does the church help engage and activate the families so the families can actually start doing more. I heard a, a statistic this last week. It said that... Um, 10% of families that come to church actually pray together. 10%. So there's, there's a disconnect from what we're doing here on Sunday to what was actually happening in the homes. And we need to figure out a game plan to kind of activate. So here's what we're trying to do as a church. We're trying to help resource parents to be able to begin doing their job 
And it, what it does in turn is it actually enhances the church because we're doing what we're called to do as well. So, That's right. We're that strength. We're that source to be able to go to and get that energy from. And you know, the Bible says to be in the world, but not of the world. So we're not, our goal is not to shelter our children and only walk around with Christians. So don't, <laughs> don't get us wrong. That is not what we're saying. What we're saying is those powerful influences, the people that speak in to your children and grandchildren's life day in and day out, they need to have the same value system that you strive for and that your goals are so that when they go out into the schools, they are strong and they have that strength to communicate to their classmates and to their to their teammates and and people in band and choir and every area of life that they have that when they talk about their belief systems because they will into your child or grandchild's life you're there is a stable understanding of what your child and grandchild believe that they are able to communicate effectively and then Every week, they're able to go back to that source of energy and strength again. And that is that called out assembly, that fellowship of believers. You know, and I don't know if any of you all saw last week when we had our FX, our family service, but we had a lot of fun. And that is one way that we're starting to um, engage our families to worship with the children. And much what you saw here, the songs that you saw that were fun, we've got our parents engaged with our parents. We've got grandparents coming in and just worshiping a savior. They had a drama. Um, going on that played out um, the biblical um, parable of the king who forgave the man uh, uh, his debt. And we just had a really good time. And when when they exited, all the parents were given the um, home devotions for the week. And those and devotions are very, very simple. And there's four different ideas for four different days on there. And for instance, day three this week, the kids and I were doing this. Heath was gone. He was golfing. So I hope y'all had it fun. It wasn't a good thing. It's all right. My golf game was really bad. Matter of fact, I won the entire tournament. I had the highest score. <laughs> the kids were very excited. He had all these tennis balls sitting on the table. With they the gave me a tennis ball and said, I probably need to try to learn some, some other game. A different sport. But it was really fun because the kids thought that was the best prize. So you all did wonderfully. So they were like, oh, they're brand new. They're not even muddy. So now they're all protected. Like, we don't want them to go outside and get muddy. So thank you for yeah. that. That was really good. But anyway, on day three, we're, the kids and I were doing our um, just devotions. It's a fancy word for some time to talk about what God's word says. And it the challenge was... It, and it, the whole month they're talking about forgiveness. That's their value for the month, and they're playing that out in different ways. So what they had to do is um, it recommended getting a lot of pillows. So I grabbed our four king-size pillows that we had, and they had to hold all of the pillows and write their name in a very small space. And so they're holding on to all the pillows, and they're just cracking up, and Emma's sticking the pillow on her head and trying to, you know, just having such a good time. And then um, the second challenge was to release all the pillows and then write their name, which was obviously very simple. And the point was... When we hold a grudge, it makes everything we do in life a lot harder. But when we release that grudge and we're able to forgive those that have been uh, ugly or mean to us, then the things of life are so much simpler because we're not carrying around that burden. And they're just honestly that simple devotions and they get these every single week. We give these to the students every single week to just have that engaged family time. We were cracking up, laughing. It's not sit down, put duct tape on your mouth. Your daddy's going to read the Bible. It's not like that. It's <laughs> very practical. Yes, that would go over really well. But it's very, very practical, engaging things for our children to re-talk talk again, over and over again about the values that they have been talked about 
um, with on Sunday. So what we're trying to do is by having resources every week for you is to allow you to be able to understand how to engage and talk. Maybe you don't know how. You've never done a family devotion. You don't. You never really pray together, so you don't know how. So what we're really trying to do is create some synergy between the family and the church where you're able to talk through different things. Now, it doesn't take away from if you have a special plan that you're already doing, but the reality is that 10% of families are actually praying together. They probably aren't doing anything else together. They're not reading the Bible together. So if we can get these resources, and so every week, parents, grandparents, you can get these, and maybe you would like to just have those resources. It's four little devotions for you to be able to retalk about what's going on right. at church so that they can have a system to, to begin learning. That's right, every single week. We also do something, um, we ask questions on Sundays, and that comes from when I was studying education, they said over and over, the best teacher is the student who has just learned. And so on Sundays, we make it a point that we ask questions. We get all their papers and all their crafts and everything, and you all see the kids, they come home with armfuls. You all, I, I'm looking at Miss Barbara and Miss Susan, they had suitcases just full of stuff. They made this little suitcase and just amazing resources for the kids. So we bundle all that up on Sunday and Heath grows and he grabs some candy and we sit down and we walk through their lesson and we allow them to be the teacher to us and tell us what they um, learned. And honestly, this started not, it sounds fancy like we were all smart, but it started because um, our second daughter cried every Sunday when we Sunday. <laughs> dropped her off. And so we had to start bribing her with candy yes. and say, remember, question time is coming after church. And if you throw a fit, then that you don't get a piece of candy for not. Candy works. Candy works. Bribe so whatever good. it takes. But then we, with the questions but are then huge. It caught on. And when they started teaching us, we really started to understand the value of them because they just learned. Now they are the teacher and able to teach. And it just um, creates great ownership. And then when you hear those stories, not only do you have the devotions that um, have been set up that we've uh, resourced through the church, but then you're able to hear those stories and reaffirm them throughout the week. Oh man, that was just like Jonathan. Good job, man. That's exactly what you learned about this week. And just continue that conversation. I also have something here for you. Um, this summer, we're going to be doing a campaign on reading through the the New Testament throughout the summer. And this is a little uh, CD. It's uh, so you can listen to the Bible. Maybe you don't like to, to read. You have a hard time reading. But we're going to be doing this campaign for the adults. And last week, we talked about how that maybe even for your kids, having something for them to listen to. And this is a, a kid's audio Bible. Um, it's going to go through all the major stories in the Old Testament and New Testament. And we're going to be asking parents to, here's a resource that at least gets you started getting into the Bible. And we'll be doing that through the summer. And uh, so just want to, we're trying to figure out new ways in which we can help resource you to get into God's word as a family and to be able to interact with God's word. That's right, through our church family. And then there was a really good idea I wanted to share that came through our curriculum as well. Um, it talked about a rite of passage year. They recommended 13. Maybe if the, your children or grandchildren are older than that, maybe you could look at an 18 or, or just whenever. Maybe you just want to do it because it's a great idea. But they challenged to make take five mentors, pick five people that have the same values that you do that biblically and um and during that year so for instance abby's 11 now so when she's 13 we'll choose five mentors for that year and we'll um, ask them if they will spend one day with abby and they will speak a spiritual truth into their life they can do whatever they want to do they can take her to work they can um, take her camping they can do whatever they want to do with her but during that time they need to speak a spiritual truth and a life truth 
into their lives and, um, and give just their own testimony and talk about what, how God has worked in their life. And just five different people, or it could be more throughout the entire year. And then at the end of the year, when all of those um, times have been accomplished, you would have a special dinner and just um, talk about, um, like we would allow Abby to talk about what she learned about in that from in that year, from the different mentors that she had had and how that had played out throughout her year and just a time of celebration. So that's another idea. Um, again, we're, when we pull those five people, we will pull them from our church because we understand that, that that is a family, that is a structure that God has set up to work together with the family um, into our children's lives. So here's, here's kind of where we want to end and kind of land the plane here. If outside forces are going to influence your child, a discussion that has to happen is how are you going to narrow the negative forces? How are you going to narrow that circle? The second thing is now, how do you widen the circle of godly influences in, in your family's life? How do you widen that circle? And how do you get strategic on that? Because here's what's happening. Look in chapter seven, look down in verse seven again. He says, or verse six, he says, you are God's chosen people. Verse seven, it was not because you were in in, more in number than any other people that the Lord has set his love on you and chose you for you were the fewest of all people. It was not because you were special. It was not because God has just decided to do something. You were great and mighty, but here's what he says, but it was because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your father's that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery and from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Here's why I want to tie my kids. And here's why God has designed for us to tie our families back into church so that they begin to understand the larger community. God has made a promise to those people who follow him to work and to live inside his promises and in his commands. When you and I choose to follow after God, What he does is this. He says, I'm choosing to reveal to you. I'm choosing to show you your story. I'm choosing to show other stories. I want my kids to hear stories from people within the church of not only how God was real in my life, but I desperately want them to hear how God was real in somebody else's life. I want them to hear that it's not just a God who's small, who's just about us. There's a God who has brought not just one person out of slavery, but there's a God who has brought multiple people out of sin and out of failures. That God is a God who has brought many, many, many people. And so when I bring them to church, they get to start seeing older people, younger people. They start seeing kids in high school, kids in college. They start seeing kids or start seeing adults who are grandparents age. And they see that they're getting loved on. And now they're getting to hear this story because I know in just a few years, What's going to happen is this. My kids are asking, why do I need to do this? And their faith has to become real to them. They can't live off of daddy's faith. They can't live off of my story. And that day is coming very fast. And there's a moment and a time and a place that I'm expecting that because we've put mentors and people around in their life, that God would reveal how great he is through other people's lives as well. And they get to share. I rearranged my life for soccer games over the past few weeks. My kids were involved in upward soccer. I rearranged when my kids are in gymnastics. I rearranged my schedules for that. Why would we not want to rearrange our schedules to get our people around 
godly influences. We need to. It's important. It will come back and it pays big dividends over and over and over again because God has brought multiple people out of a 